Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. I'm Baruch Levy, also known as B. And yes, I'm still wearing the same shirt and doing the same podcast because I, instead of dumping all this on you in one sitting, have broken it up into a three-part series. So I'm talking nonstop, but hopefully you've paused between the podcast to gather your thoughts, to consider the geneogram. I don't think that word exists. I made it up. The genogram meets the enneagram, a historical emotional understanding of who you are, where you've come from, present, um, understanding the present, your family dynamics. And now today we're going to go into the future. So part one was the present, part two is the past, part three is the future. What does that mean? I work with people and we put together the geneogram. If you're not looking, um, you can look now and there's a picture in front of you of my family's geneogram, my immediate family. If you can't see this because you're listening on podcast, no problem. Go to, to defiantspirit.org, scroll down to the bottom and look at the slide because it's helpful. I'm treating myself as a client. This is what I do for other clients. Sometimes it's only present family. Sometimes it's past. Obviously, you can't really do future, but we're moving into the future nonetheless. Why? Because the Enneagram's a roadmap. You know, it's hard. Living's hard. Figuring out how to navigate this life is hard. We need tools. We need maps. This is an, a map like no other. I love, I come from the mystical traditions, Buddhism, um, certainly Judaism, Rabbi, Kabbalahs inform me deeply, but oftentimes they're esoteric. I can't quantify it. This is quantified. Is it as quantified as it gets? I didn't know my, for instance, my grandparents Enneagram. We never talked about it, but I've gone through a process of piecing them, uh, their Enneagram map together, and the process has been meaningful. Now, I can make a case that my grandpa Jack might have been an eight, um, but I think he was a one. But going through the process, talking to my mom, talking to my brother and others, helped me understand him, helped me understand myself, where I've come from, the legacy I've inherited for the positive, also for the negative. Wrote a book on this called Spark Seekers. You can read it. We're here to carry our loved one's fire forward. But all, not all fire is the same. Some fire is constructive. Some is destructive. We are here to carry the constructive fire and we are here to extinguish the destructive fire. That's the work we're here to do. This is when I turn to Kabbalah. Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, says we are not here for ourselves. You certainly are here for you but that's not all you're here for. Dr. Viktor Frankl, same thing. We are here to transcend ourselves. How do we transcend ourselves? By doing our work for those who came before us and those who come after us. You are doing work for your deceased loved ones. Listen to a podcast Ariella and I did on this. She's the expert in generational healing, healing generational trauma. When you do your work here, when you heal your family's traumas, your own personal traumas, your own shortcomings, you forget traumas, just your own failures, your faults, your flaws, you're healing. Who, how do you think you got here? As Wayne Dyer says, 
You're the sperm that won the race. You're the inheritor biologically, emotionally, maybe spiritually, of your loved ones, mishigas, as we say in Yiddish, crap, but also their blessings, their beauty. And so when we do this work, when we, when we think about where we've come from, to understand, to appreciate, to, to forgive, to hold accountable, not just forgiveness, I hold my father accountable for committing suicide, and I have worked through it, or I'm working through it, but he wants me to hold him accountable. I know my dad. I know Enneagram Ones, back to the Enneagram. Ones want to be held accountable. People say all the time, you know, you should just forgive and forget. Not for a one. Ones, my dad would not want me to forget it. He would want me to forgive him as much for myself as for him, but not forget it. Learn from it. Harness it. Move it forward. I was talking to my son, the four, Aviv down there, super deep soul. And we were talking about forgive and forget. We were studying... Um, we study some ancient wisdom texts, only uh, only a four, any grand four, 12-year-old would say that. And he we came across one, and we were talking about forgiving and forgetting. And he said, how can you forgive and forget? Like, how can you forget? I mean, even if you want to, if you remember, you're not forgetting. And we talked about not forgetting. It's not a, it's not a Jewish saying, for sure. It's remember and forgive, right? Remember, forgive and remember. Because it's a higher level. If you still remember, if you forget, it's not hard to forgive. There's no, there's no effort in that. But if you remember and you forgive, that's of a higher order. That's the work we're doing. And Kabbalah would say, that's the work we're here to do. That's why, you know, the Kabbalists talk about Hebrew phrase, Lador Vador, from generation to generation. It's become something like some silly marketing slogan many synagogues use to promote programs. It's a mystical, emotional, transformative idea. You are here, Lador Vador, to heal generationally, to pass down all that is right and good and to throw out the window, heal, leave behind all that is broken and not good, destructive. And so using the Enneagram to understand those who came before you. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, so meaningful for me to talk through my dad or my grandparents talking with my mom or my siblings. A, it brings us closer together. B, it gives us a new language, it gives me a framework where to place them so I can start seeing. And when, when you look at your family's geneogram, it's transformative. Just seeing this and knowing family patterns are here and what's happening. And I, I could even do another layer of cousins and uncles and aunts and then you start getting into like divorces and other deaths or tragic deaths or whatever you start seeing patterns i've gone back only as far as um great grandparents and then beyond that as i mentioned in the first podcast you can start seeing your your people's types so you know if you're if you're christian a very two-ish direction Jewish, a very sixist direction. Buddhist, a very five-ish direction. Um, if you've been through the Holocaust or any collective trauma, right? There's lots of eights that come out of that. So just giving you a roadmap of how to navigate and how to repair. In Kabbalah, it's called tikkun olam, repairing the world. But it's not just doing good deeds. It's repairing your world. And that's where the Enneagram, that's where it comes in and that's where it's transformative. So when I look at this, I get to see ways to move my family's lineage forward in a proactive, healed way. For instance, I don't think it's coincidence that right beneath me in that picture, 
Um, the sexual eight is a child of mine and Ariella's, Maya, a sexual eight, a maverick, just like her old man. Different subtype, no, sorry, different um, whole type. That's your act, think, and feel. But marginally, I mean, this is my kid. She even looks like me. And um, less facial hair, much prettier, but still looks like me. I see my work with Maya is to learn how to soften because she burns hot. I see myself in her to learn how to parent her. In some ways, it's like parenting me. Perhaps, no disrespect to my parents, but they were not eights. Some ways, only an eight can handle an eight. Maya needs me as a container for the heat, for the fire. If she was born to a four, like Ariella, and a two, I think she would have had a scorched earth approach and gotten away with it. There's one person that Maya is afraid of, and that's me. She, she respects her mother. She's terrified of me in a healthy way. Um, uh, she needs that or else she burns out of control. And my job, you know, Maya has lied a few times, as all teenagers do. She hasn't done it in quite a while. Why? Because I literally got unhinged. I unhinged her doors. I took her doors off the hinge. And um, after the second or third time, like it was a big to do, like just you're going to have to live in a fishbowl, transparent. She stopped. Well, I didn't stop lying. She just stopped lying to my face. Um, but that's what an eight needs. Now, I tried that with her sister, and it basically destroyed her. I vowed never to even attempt to do that again because she's a nine. She's a peacemaker. She doesn't need that fire. So working through my stuff with my daughter, I see this in families often. You'll have a parent with the same type, not only the same type, same subtype. So out of 27 subtypes, Maya and I are exactly the same. Statistically, not real probable, but often happens. So I see this with a parent who has an opportunity to work through this with a child and, um, and heal some of the brokenness in, our, in ourselves. Also, healing, you know, working with my son feels very much like I'm helping heal my father's legacy. My son really able to soften, to enjoy. My dad, as an Enneagram one, they are the farthest away or they have the hardest time reaching over to that seven. That's where there's a line. It's a yin and yang. Seven is the enthusiast. It's the vacation of the Enneagram. So my dad could not take a vacation. He was too uptight, too rigid. When he took a vacation, he made us miserable. My son has watched my wife and I, who have a healthy relationship to vacations. We bought an RV. We go. We camp. My son loves to vacation. He lo It's like him letting off steam. And I see, I played a small part in that. My wife played a small part. But there's a healing thing. My dad could never do it. My son does it freely. A one who's living more in balance with that seven energy is redemptive to my father. It's really softening my dad's uptight soul, if you will. So um, I can see that. I can see that my son is in many ways my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, Jack's inheritor, legacy. There's the same service and duty and honor and do good in the world. My grandfather was a Zionist, was um, an avid lover of Israel. My son is too. There's so many similarities. So that's carrying the constructive fire of my grandfather. It's putting down the destructive fire of my father. And in the process, it's healing that generational trauma. Not coincidental. I think my grandma babe, my paternal grandmother, was a one. My dad was a one. They both committed suicide. They both, um, you know, left wreaked havoc upon their families. 
And so my son, in some ways, is a continuation of that and a healing of that. And we're all playing our part to right those wrongs. And in we, as we do that, I believe that my grandmother, my father's soul, is a little more at rest, a little more at peace. So quite beautiful. As I mentioned in the last podcast, I didn't even realize this till I was talking. My mom married a one. My grandmother married a one. My mom's mom. So my grandma Flo and my mom, peas in a pod. Uh, very, you know, different, but same vibe, same energy, same smile, same joy, um, same nurturing quality. And they both married ones or ones married them because there's a, a yin to the yang there. And so really seeing that pattern play out in my family um, and just knowing, I don't know, there's something redemptive in that one, two pattern. And, and for me, you know, I have a line from eight to two. I really work hard at trying to be like my mom and my grandma. And so cultivating them myself and going over to that space to be like those great women, the matriarchs of my family, and learning how to be more nurturing. It doesn't come easy for an eight. I see it with my daughter, by the way. Look down below. Eight, two, seven. My daughter feels like a two. I feel like a three or a four, but I don't feel like a two. My daughter Maya is so similar to her grandma Flo and her and her grandma Jan, my mom. And I think it's that two-piece. And there's some ways Maya is a continuation of them. My daughter Shoshana is identical to my sister in that in the Enneagram profile. And there's a there's a there's a continuation of that energy in my family as I had growing up with my sister. My sister was always still is um, a calming presence. My daughter's a calming presence to my fire, to Maya's fire. So I think my sister was to me as Shoshana is to Maya. And you can see sort of this generational pattern there and paying attention to it. Also, my best friend Mark is up there. He passed away a few years ago and he functioned very much like my brother. He is my brother, he was my brother. And um, in many ways, I can see that pattern in my life. I surround myself with lots of nines for that reason. Um, my, my grandfather's all alone down there in the five pattern, and I have that line from eight to five. In my lower moments, I have really retreated. That's called the stress line, eight to five. I've retreated down into that five in an unhealthy way. When we moved to Israel, I was living in a mountaintop in the north of Israel, not speaking the language well, not knowing my direction in life. I really disappeared, and I felt a lot of my grandfather, my grandpa Harold, sort of emotionally withdrawn losing myself and part of my work has been to come out into service into community into relationship and share my heart and i think when i do that i'm really helping my grandfather's legacy evolve lador vador from generation to generation when i look at my son down there aviv in some ways in many ways he's a much older soul than i am he's way more mature like he's 12 I tell the 12-year-old joke sometimes, and he just looks at me like, oh, someday you'll grow up. Um, I do feel like he's in my family's life, sort of this little wisdom master, not to, you know, inflate him, inflate his ego or anything. I just think he's here, like Ariella, to deepen. They're like the soul of my family. And in some ways, I think they're here to take us to the next level. He's here to take us to that next level of spiritual depth. They're naturally spiritual seekers. And I didn't have any of that. You know, my mom and my dad, my dad was more spiritual later in life, but it was much later. My 
grandparents, really nothing that I can recall, no spiritual conversations, you know, just wasn't a part of it. Nines and fours, in my experience, are the most spiritual. I can feel it with my sister, my, my daughter, Josh, and my son, Aviv, and my wife, Ariella. And so I think there's this healing, this next step of the evolutionary path for me and my family. And that's that um, four piece that almost it's like a aspirational, it's calling to us. So, you know, this goes on and on. And I guess I'm just sharing this with you so that you can get a um, bird's eye view of how I use the Enneagram, not just in contemporary situations with the living, but also with those who came before us, imagining those who come after us and the work that we're here to do to, you know, you're God willing, you are somebody's ancestors. And even if you don't have biological children, you're impacting future generations and becoming conscious of it, having a roadmap for it, creating a little tribe around it so we can speak the same language, share these experiences through the lens of the Enneagram. How many other systems, um, resources, maps do we have like that? I haven't found many. So this has helped me take an ancient religion, my Judaism, for you could be Christianity, Catholicism, you don't have to have a religion, and evolve it in practical ways to act upon it. I can't say strongly enough, reach out to me. Let's do your geneogram. It has been the most surprising feature of the Enneagram. I didn't see it coming. I've been doing this in organizations and businesses pretty actively lately, and I love it. I adore it. But what's been so stellar and surprising is when they um, send me a side note, you know, an email saying, hey, B, I'd like to do this for my wife, for my children. And now I've started to do it for my, for their deceased parents, their grandparents, their ancestors. It's not hocus pocus. It can be. We can, we can, you know, meditate on it and get into the intuitive spiritual side of it. But it also can just be a talking, counseling process to go backwards to really unpack who they were to understand um, where that where where you come from the soil out of which you've grown the work you're here to do and the legacy you're here to evolve so shoot me an email be at defiantspirit.org or baruch at defiantspirit.org and we will get you into your enneagram your loved one's enneagram or we can work through together to create their Enneagram, and your Geneagram. I will see you over at the defiantspirit.org. Until the next time, defy your number and live your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your